When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. We're talking NFL news, backup quarterbacks, uh, should be starting quarterbacks, Tyreek Hill comments, Deshaun Watson. We're going to talk NBA Finals. NHL Stanley Cup, and Major League Baseball news. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome into a brand new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast on this, the wonderful Father's Day edition, live on YouTube and Facebook, and uh, playing back for you wherever you get your podcast Monday morning and on Belly Up TV Monday morning as well. Welcome into the show. We are presented today by In the Clutch. In the Clutch offers officially licensed apparel for Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball Players Association, NHL, NFL, retro t shirts, all kinds of things for you there. Go to intheclutch.com, use the code SPORTSSTOVE. You're going to get 10% off your purchase. Again, that's code SPORTSSTOVE at intheclutch.com. Uh, welcome to the show, Dad. My Father's Day gift to you is doing what you were already planning on doing. Uh, welcome back <laughs> to the show. Happy Father's Day. How you doing? Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Doing fine. Uh, you know, we're getting, we're kind of at that stage of the year right now where we're dealing with, uh, kind of odds and ends when it comes to sports news, there is stuff going on the NHL, uh, Stanley cup finals going on. Watch some of that last night. Uh, NBA finals is now done. So basically we're looking at baseball racing, um, golf going on as well, of course. And, 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 and we'll get into the NHL Stanley cup, but, uh, we're, we're still a month or two away from the big football stuff kind of starting to kick up, but there's still plenty to talk about when it comes to the NFL. So I want to start uh, with the poll we put up a couple days ago. Uh, who would you rather have as your NFL quarterback? The options I gave, Dad, were Tua, Gardner Minshew, and Mitch Trubisky. 
Uh, Tua is currently a starter in Miami. Minshew currently a backup in Philly. And Trubisky is in the quarterback battle in Pittsburgh, uh, assuming he'll start, but uh, could get beat out by the rookie picket. So those are the three options I gave. Tua, Minshew, and Trubisky. Where do you land on that poll question? Um, at, at this point, I think Tua. Um, that's who I would take again. You know, we've talked about him and, um, I still think there's a chance he'll be a good NFL quarterback. And of those, <clears throat> I think he would be the safer one. Um, you know, Mitch Trubinsky, I think there's a good chance there. He may not end up being in the right spot to get to start. So, um, but we'll see. Yeah, for me, my choice would be Trubisky. I'd take him over Tua and Minshew. I might take Minshew over Tua. You know, I'm not a Tua guy. Um, But, I mean, I don't know. I like the mindset that Gardner Minshew has. Um, I like the the opportunity Trubisky has just being in the league for a little while, having starting experience, also sitting behind a a very talented quarterback, so a chance to sit and learn also – Tua was kind of in and out uh, when when Fitzmagic was there as well. Uh, and he just hasn't shown forth that mental aspect that I want out of a QB yet. Gardner Minshew has the mental aspect of it. Does he have the talent is the question, really, to be a legit starting quarterback in the NFL. I picked Mitch Trubisky, but in the poll, Tua won the poll 59%. Gardner Minshew was second at 32%. Trubisky only had 9% of the votes. I was a little surprised honestly by that by that outcome I thought Trubisky would get more than he did and again I voted for Trubisky so maybe that's why I thought he'd get more than he did uh did the polls uh, does that surprise you at all two of 59 Minshew 32 percent Trubisky nine percent um probably a little surprised on Trubisky like you said that he is a little higher than that but again I think Tua is the best choice as a three so that doesn't surprise me Minshew's been a good backup I think he could be a good backup. I don't know that he is going to be a starting quarterback anywhere, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if he's going to get a legit opportunity ever again. Uh, and, you know, when you're a backup quarterback, opportunities come in weird ways. It's typically through competition. Or, excuse me, it's not typically through competition. It's usually through injuries um, or some suspensions or something like that aspect of things. So that brings us to our next topic which is the Washington Commanders uh, backup quarterback, Taylor Heineke, uh, was asked this week whether or not he was uh, thinks that competing in the starting lineup uh, for the starting quarterback job is an option. Let's play from NBC Sports. Uh, here is the conversation. Do you feel you'll have any opportunity at all to change people's minds in the building about the starting quarterback position, or is that not even an option for you? Um, I don't think that's an option. Um, you, you look at the NFL, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's kind of a business. And if, if, you're, if you're paying someone $30 million and you're paying someone else $2 million, you're paying this guy $30 million to play, you know? Um, and that's not me, you know, Carson's a great quarterback and you see it through OTAs and, and minicamp. Um, and I hope he goes out there and succeeds. And again, my 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 job is just to back him up. Hopefully, he's on his his deal, help him out whatever way I can. And if for some reason he goes down, I'm ready to go play. So yeah, that's how I look at it. But again, the NFL is a business. You're paying a guy a lot of money. You're paying him money for a reason. He's going to play. There you go. If you're paying a guy a lot of money, you're playing him for a reason, and that is to play. Taylor Heineke seems to understand 
his role in the building and it seems to have accepted the fact that it's not a tr- uh, a legitimate open competition there in Washington. Uh, what do you think of those comments by Ty- Taylor Heineke? Uh, and and do you think he was that was the best way to answer that question? Um, yeah, I mean, I think so. I think, you know, a lot of times we talk about, well, there are coaches talk about, you know, there's going to be competition and you kind of know there's not going to be. And um, again, you'll know, bring in a guy like Carson Wentz. Um, now, again, you know, maybe, maybe he's going to prove that he is not what he was a few years ago, but it seems like he would have a great chance to uh, be successful. I know we both like him. Um, I talked to someone this week who really liked him when he had him with the Eagles, and he said, I still think, you know, he'll be like he was a few years ago, but, you know, maybe not. This is his third team. So um, we will see from there. I think um, Haneke's a guy you could look at if you're needing um, to get someone. Um, you know, I don't know that he's proven he can't be a starter. I don't think he's Carson Wentz. But um, he may he might be a guy that will get an opportunity, a team that you know um, is needing somebody down the line. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I mean, you got you got other backups out there. Um, and again, you got guys like Jimmy Garoppolo still looking for a team. Baker Mayfield still looking for a team. Uh, you've got Gardner Minshew there as well. Um, you know, maybe you have Mitch Trubisky available at the moment with the way it's setting up in Pittsburgh. I'm not sure. I would wouldn't think they would get rid of him right away, but you never know. Um, so he's he's down the list a little ways for me. I, I like him again. I think his mindset is really good, and I think he is a smart enough guy to realize, yeah, thirty million dollars. Uh, I'm not playing uh, unless you know something bad happens. Uh, so, but he's. You can make good money being a backup quarterback in the NFL, and you can have a long career, ask the McCown brothers. Uh, you can have a long career making a lot of money and not having to get beat up like some of these other guys are as well. But I thought it was interesting comments, very truthful. Um, you're right, a lot of coaches do the coach speak, and they'll, you know, oh, it's everyone's battling for a job, but it's just not true in every situation. And Heineke does a good job of understanding that as well. Uh, several coaches getting fined here over the last week or so. Dallas, Houston, and Washington all fined for practice issues, either too much contact uh, or those sorts of, of, of violations. Uh, the practices being too physical, too many of them, whatever it may be. And uh, I don't remember this being enforced as much in the past. Maybe I'm forgetting. Uh, and maybe the coaches are trying to get away with more this year. I'm not sure how it shakes out, but do you make anything of this? You got two teams in the East, the NL- NFC East, Dallas and Washington, and now Houston, uh, another team. And and uh, I'll get my Houston thought in in a minute, but uh, does this matter? Is it a big deal? Um, what does it mean? Well, it's kind of, I think the question is, like you said, why is this a bigger deal this year than it's been before? Um, are, are coaches trying to get by with something there? Um, is it a, a rule that's being enforced more? Is this something that the players association, you know, kind of brought to attention that, Hey, this, 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 this is a place where people are fudging on this. So I, I don't know. Is this a bigger problem than it's been in the past year or two? Um, or is it, uh, is it a matter 
of enforcement. I'm a little surprised it's happened as much because after it happened in Chicago, you would think everybody would say, "Hey, okay, they're you know we all know they're coming to visit. They're they're going to take a look at this. Um, you know, we need to be careful about this." So I don't know if they're doing something tighter, but again, it's not all the teams that are having problems. Um, so um, you know, I, I I don't know. Is it people that are you know are they just trying to um, you know, get a little more out of it. I wouldn't think it's worth losing a practice over. And if you're talking about being more physical, you know, you're always talking about an injury situation. So I'm a little surprised, like you said, that um, it seems like, yeah, a much bigger deal this year. I don't remember hearing of it happening really in the past or very much. And um, so it'd be interesting going into training camp, um, you know, of course, training camp be different, but there's rules in training camp, too, that you can't be in full pads and you can't, you know, contact is somewhat limited. I do think probably every team has, a, you know, our teams do have a different approach to how they do it. I know Green Bay, LaFleur has been very much, hey, we're not tackling people to the ground. You know, that's not what we need to do. We found other ways to, um, you know, work on the things that we need to work on. So I'm sure some coaches uh, have changed a little bit. Maybe some of this is more of an old school thing. I really don't know. Uh, Houston has a new coach this year. Lovey Smith hasn't been in the NFL as a head coach for several years now. Is there any chance Lovey just didn't know the rules? Uh, or, or how does that, how does that fall? I mean, if you're a head coach in the NFL, there's no, no reason you can't know the rules. And every team has people that take care of that, um, that check on those things. So I don't think that's, you know, I don't think that would be the excuse. Hey, he just didn't know. If so, then they're not doing their due diligence because, you know, rules are a big thing. And I think every team I would assume have people in place, um, you know, to monitor that and go over that. And, um, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't think that 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 would be the issue. Yeah, all three of these coaches, veteran coaches, right? Mike McCarthy in Dallas, Lovey Smith in Houston, and uh, Riverboat Ron down there in Washington. Been around for a while, so maybe they're trying to go old school on some things and hope when they didn't get caught, uh, but they did anyways. Uh, let's go to Tyreek Hill. He made some comments uh, on a podcast my question is, is he just trying to get content for his podcast or does he actually believe this to be true? One of the comments he made is that Tua is more accurate than Patrick Mahomes. Um, accurate or content? Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> um, you know, same thing, you know, as I read about it, you know, the question is, is he trying to get listeners to his podcast? Was he saying these things to draw attention. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't know that there'd be truth to that comment because I don't know that he's been around to a, enough yet. I don't think he'd be fair at this point to say, Oh, Hey, he is more accurate. You know, they've not been in game situations at all. And I've never heard that Mahomes, you know, doesn't throw a good ball or anything like that in practice. I don't think there'd be enough, um, uh, you know, uh, enough experience with him to really know that's a, a true statement. You know, if he would have said, hey, he's as accurate as, you know, that might be a little bit different. But to say it's more so, I think, you know, obviously it seems like he's trying, um, you know, to draw attention. I don't know if that'll help Miami or hurt him. <laughs> yeah, he's been a defender of Tua since he came over. 
Um, you know, there's the video of him being underthrown and things like that, but he's been a, a staunch supporter of Tua so far. He also said Kansas City underused him. Um, man, I, I don't know. I, I've watched a lot of football over the last several years, and, you know, they had other weapons like Kelsey there, and they had some running backs, but I, I don't know that I would say Kansas City underused Tyreek Hill in his time in Kansas City. I think he was a pretty focal point of that offense. Uh, what are your thoughts on that comment? Yeah, it, it seems like he was. I mean, they, they've always stressed his speed and they've always seemed like Kansas City did a good job of using his speed, you know, whether it was wide receiver, jet sweep, they got him involved. Now, um, in fairness, Kelsey was a major part of that offense and, and to me was always um, a go-to guy, of course, definitely in fantasy football. But even as you looked at him, you know, Kelsey was a guy that, that, that you know, they leaned on heavily there. They never have had quite the running game they wanted to have, even though they have used the running game. But yeah, I wouldn't think they underused him. I mean, he was definitely the star um, wide receiver. Did they use him as much as the Packers used Devontae Adams? Maybe not. Um, but I mean, whenever you talked in the last couple of years about top wide receivers in the league, you know, I mean, his name, Hill, was one of them for sure, if not the top one. And the fact that he had his speed, it looked to me like they used him in a lot of different ways. And, um, you know, what I've read, the Kansas City people have been real real surprised by this because um, I think they've still liked Tyreek Hill and liked him when they had him. And um, so I would think he's trying to get attention. Yeah, I mean, we even bring up the Packers and Adams, but I mean, they didn't have a Kelsey on the field to throw it to either. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, you got an all pro tied in and an all pro wide receiver. You're going to spread it around between the two of them at the very least. And you said it, Kansas City's a little surprised, taken back by all these comments by Tyreek Hill. You know, I, I didn't know there was any even possibility of him being moved, you know, right before he got moved. And I didn't realize there was any issues there outside of the fact they pay him a lot of money. Um, never heard things that he was unhappy there in Kansas City. But uh, apparently there's he's got a bone to pick somewhere. And, <laughs> and I kind of wonder if maybe it has to do with the enemy, uh, even though he hasn't said that. But, um, you know, was it LaShawn McCoy that came out recently? And he said, I would never play for the enemy again. And I would tell people not to play for him. He's hard-nosed and... Um, you know, and, and, and McCoy said he, he didn't want to play for him. So, huh. so we've been asking the question about being me now for a couple of years or how he's not gotten an, uh, a head coaching job. Well, he may not have the support of the players completely. And, uh, and maybe Tyreek Hill is just another example of that. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, cause he hasn't, I haven't heard Tyreek Hill say anything about the enemy specifically, um, to this point either. Um, speaking of accusations, let's talk about Deshaun Watson, um, the rumor is the NFL wants to spend, suspend him for one season, one full season. And I was thinking through this, and and the NFLPA is has to support Deshaun Watson. That's what they're there for, and uh, one of the things they're there for. So, how does the NFLPA come out and defend Deshaun Watson? What is what is going to be their um, their angle to try to defend Deshaun Watson? Because we can't defend his actions. Um, and, and the NFLPA can't defend his actions. So how do they defend Deshaun Watson when the league says we want to suspend him for a year? Um, and they're going to try for a lot less than that. 
Um, well, I, I think their only defense that they have is the fact that he was not, um, you know, acute or not, not found guilty of anything uh, legally. I think that's the only thing um, from there. I think then their argument would be, you know, um, you know, you're, you're still assuming stuff. I mean, unless these lawsuits are settled and it doesn't look like Deshaun Watson is going to say, I mean, it, it, it's been very interesting, the fact that he has really stuck with the fact, you know, that he is innocent um, there. That may end up backfiring on him uh, at some point. But, um, you know, um, I, I think un unless some of these, you know, someone wins some of these cases that are against him. Um, I think the only defense really is the fact that, you know, there were, he was not found guilty. And at this point it's still, you know, up under um, investigation. It's still, it's, you know, the issues aren't closed. Um, so that would be the idea well, Hey, you're going to suspend him for a year. And then, you know, um, you know, what happens if other things come out? Um, that's kind of been the deal. This thing has drug on and the fact that the NFL and the NFL is probably in a little bit of a hard spot. Um, but yeah, I would not be surprised about a year suspension. Um, but you know, if they do that and then all of a sudden there is other things come out, you know, what, you know, what, what, what happens there? So, um, Kind of a tricky situation on both ends, I think. The other argument, Dad, that I saw, and I can't give credit to who it was because I don't remember who, who I heard it from, but the other argument is the NFLPA is going to say, hey, there have been owners involved in, in issues, and they didn't get a full year suspension. And uh, so the argument is if you're not going to discipline the owners this harshly, why do you discipline the players this harshly? Uh, you know, Robert Kraft had an issue uh, a couple of years ago. Snyder's going through all kinds of issues right now in Washington. Um, so there are owners that have been involved in things. Jim Irsay has had different issues, but issues nonetheless in Indianapolis and has been disciplined, but not, not a season. And uh, so the argument here, I think that the NFLPA is going to go to is, Hey, you got to treat us like you treat the owners. And, and a season is nothing even close to what you did to owners. And so you can't do it to him either. I still think we're sitting at at least half a season, uh, closer to eight games when it's all said and done. They may do 10 games and then, and then negotiate it down to eight or something like that. But I think that's where we're going to sit at eight to 10 games, which then leaves the Browns in another really tough situation because they've, they've again made it where Baker doesn't want anything to do with them. And, uh, so you're looking at Jacoby Brissett as your quarterback there in Cleveland. How many games can Jacoby Brissett win you in a? And we've already talked about the AFC North. It's not an easy division. No, I, I think that's true. And I guess if the league did come out and suspend Watson for the year, then would Cleveland look at something different? Would they go out and try to get somebody better, um, knowing you know they were going to need a quarterback for this year? Would Jimmy Garoppolo you know suddenly fit into that or whatever? Um, that that might change. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, again, I think if the NFL suspends him for a year, I, that would make some sense unless, you know, stuff comes out. Uh, during the course of the year that that wasn't justified. Um, I could see him suspending him for maybe six, eight games, like you said. And then as the ongoing thing goes on, they could suspend him longer if other stuff comes out. But again, the Browns are in a real, real tough situation here. I think at some point they've, you know, they've got to, they've got to get a quarterback that they think if they need to use him all year, they can. 
And um, originally, and when maybe they didn't see this thing going south with Baker Mayfield as much, but I, I don't think he's an option. Um, no. I think Grappolo might be a really good option at this point. Um, you know, there if they could get him, or you, you, you got to believe they're going to get. They need to get some kind of backup plan in place because I don't. It doesn't look like Deshaun Watson is going to be two games or four games, and then he'll be playing. And um, so I, in you know, unless they're fine with Cody Brissett for the year, but even then, you know, you boy, you would need a backup or whatever. So um, you would think you would think in the next few weeks before training camp, surely um, you, something will kind of get settled there in Cleveland with our quarterback situation. According to OurLads.com, it's Jacoby Brissett as the number two quarterback, Joshua Dobbs as the number three quarterback currently behind Deshaun Watson. Um, Dobbs has a couple starts in his career, not very many, not proven to be a great NFL quarterback. Uh, Brissett, I don't mind Brissett. I don't think that Garoppolo is a massive upgrade over Brissett, uh, but I, I'm not sure. I don't know what they're looking at. I mean, I, they've got to be kicking themselves for what they've done with with uh, Baker Mayfield and how this all went down. I, I My guess is if they could redo it, they would, but I don't know. Maybe the thought still is, hey, even if they suspend him for a season, we get him next season, and Deshaun Watson's a great quarterback. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they've already got uh, Kareem Hunt on the team who had some issues, <laughs> and they overlooked that to bring him in uh, as well. So, you know, they're, they're an interesting interesting squad, to say the least, uh, on from that angle. Uh, they did bring Clowney back on defense. He came because Deshaun Watson was back. So, I mean, it's interesting kind of see how it all – how it all shakes out uh, there as well. All right, uh, Dad, let's take a quick break and let the people hear from InTheClutch.com. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about NBA Finals, NHL Stanley Cup, and some Major League Baseball news. InTheClutch.com, the newest sponsors of the Sports Stove podcast. And we are excited to partner with InTheClutch.com. They have officially licensed apparel and accessories for your favorite sports teams and athletes. Use code SPORTSSTOVE and get 10% off your first purchase. You can find shirts like I Still Own You from Green Bay Packers. Are we talking about practice? All kinds of great shirts in baseball, football, hockey, and basketball. Officially licensed apparel from InTheClutch.com. Again, use the code SPORTSSTOVE to get 10% off your purchase. Welcome back into the Sports Stove podcast. Uh, we just got done talking NFL news. If you missed any part of it, you can go back uh, starting Monday morning and catch the entire episode on podcast platforms, wherever you get your podcasts uh, there as well. will be live or live. will be on Belly Up TV, 7 a.m. and 2 p.m. Monday as well. All right, Dad, let's talk NBA. We haven't talked since the finals ended. Your Boston Celtics failed miserably in game six, uh, and Golden State goes ahead and pulls out the win. We've kind of already talked about Golden State and Steph Curry, kind of where they land all time and things like that. But uh, your final thoughts on the NBA finals? Well, um, again, you know, it's obvious Golden State has a great team. I think they deserve to win it. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how they move on. But, um, you know, they, they they did a great job of winning at Boston. You know, gave them a good, a good run there early. Um, but, you know, they figured out, you know, you know how to beat them. Golden, and 
the Celtics weren't able to um, combat that. So Celtics had a really good season, I think, very surprising in a lot of ways. Be interested to see where they go. I think could be optimism in the future uh, with a new coach and everything there. Um, but again, I think it was a good NBA season for everyone. I think it was a good playoff for the fans. And uh, Seth Curry, you know, has definitely continues to establish himself as one of the best. Yeah, Steph is definitely one of the better better players all time uh, to play. The team has been a legit dynasty uh, as well, and and they've been done it with the same core of guys. They did add Kevin Durant that one year, but um, you know pretty much the same core of guys. I guess technically two years he got injured one year, um, but anyways, they are they they're special. There's no doubt about that. As well, Dad. I don't know if you saw or not. Um, the assistant coach Kenny Atkinson that would have been announced. He's going to go coach Charlotte, and he announced this week after the season ended, after the finals ended, that he has decided to stay in Golden State instead of taking the head coaching job in Charlotte. Stay as the lead assistant in Golden State. Um, my first thought was coaching waiting. Uh, Steve Kerr has had health issues. He's missed games and everything like that. And my thought is maybe Kenny Atkinson's got the word. Hey. Stick around here, Steve. Stepping down soon, and you're the next guy in place there. That that makes sense to me. Is there any other reason for that? You think? No, that I mean that makes a lot of sense. They've got talent there. You know, he's familiar with it. They're comfortable with him. So yeah, I would think that's what's going on there. NBA offseason has begun. The draft is this Thursday. Next episode, uh, the plan is to cover the NBA draft and preview it heading into. Uh, what is ahead? So make sure you tune in live Tuesday night and the podcast uh, platforms Wednesday morning uh, for NBA tr- uh, draft talk. And uh, I'll, I'll discuss Shaden Sharp, my opinions on a kid who came to Kentucky and never played a, a second of basketball at Kentucky and now is looking like a top 10 pick in the NBA draft. We'll discuss that next episode. Uh, NHL Stanley Cup. The Colorado Avalanche just looked better. Uh, I watched a good bit of the game last night. And uh, sorry, Jason, if you're watching. And I know we're talking hockey again. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I mean, Tampa, they're not a bad team. They've been there going for three straight now. Um, Colorado, they just look faster. They look sharper. Um, Overall, just a better team. They're up 2-0 in the series. Is it going to be a clean sweep with Colorado, or is Tampa going to bounce back at all? Well, I don't think it'll be a clean sweep because Tampa is a good team, and now they're going back home. And hockey's one of those, as you know, a team can have a great game, and then, you know, everybody does a good job of going on to the next game from there. I don't know that there's always a lot of carryover, but I do think Colorado is a great team. I think there's a chance they should they could easily win this, and it may not go past five games. I would be surprised if Tampa didn't win at least one at home, but that was quite a performance um, in the last game. I think Mark Messier said it was one of the most dominant performances he had ever seen, and uh, you could tell, of course, the crowd is always going to be into it in the Stanley Cup Finals, but boy, they really are there in Colorado, and they you know, they have a good team. They have everything going their uh, direction. I would be surprised if they won the next two in Tampa, but if they can win one of them, then they could wrap it back up when they get back to Denver. Uh, yeah, I was impressed. I haven't watched Colorado Avalanche play this season um, and very impressed with what I saw from them on Saturday evening. Uh, Nashville Predators, our hometown team. Neither one of us are down there anymore, but uh, spent a lot of time in Middle Tennessee. 
They uh, looks like they're being sold to the former governor, uh, Governor Haslam, whose brother owns the Browns. They own the Pilot gas stations. And uh, it seems like the Nashville folks are pretty pleased with this purchase. It was what, my goodness, now 13 years ago uh, where the team was up for sale before, maybe longer than that. And uh, there was concern that somebody was going to buy and move the Predators. This is not the case this time. I actually, I think the owner ownership group is going to almost double their money uh, that they paid for them when they bought the Predators. And uh, the Haslam's, they have some sports history and Tennessee history. So overall, it seems like people are taking this as a positive situation for Nashville. Uh, any thoughts on the Predators sale? No, I mean, it seems like a good thing. Like you said, Haslam being, you know, of course, Tennessee guy who was in Nashville there for a long time um, as governor. Uh, definitely a financial stability there. I don't know where it'll all shake out. When I read the initial report, I think right now there's 17 owners. I knew there were several owners, so several minority owners. And supposedly what I read was that Haslam is, he's buying out the majority owner. The one guy there, there had not been any talk that any of the minority owners would be selling or would need to sell. And it's going to be a three-year transition, I read. It'll be, uh, he's not buying it all at once. It'll be over three years, and then he will be, um, you know, the main owner. And it seemed like, you know, again, unless he gets involved as an owner more, because one thing about the Predators owners, they were not involved. The GM, you know, ran the team. There was not any interference there. Um, They were support, really, I think, for the city of Nashville. But Nashville could have the Predators. It's been a huge success. Um, from there, you know, their marketing campaign of Smashville has gotten, um, like they said, many, many new supporters. It's become the thing to do. They've got the country music and the business um, side um, very much in support. You know, when we lived in, in Tennessee and used to go to games, that was the area that was lacking was corporate support. There were the fans. Everything was full in the upper bowl, but the lower bowl, well, that's all changed now there. And I, even last time I went to a game, which was a few years ago, um, you could tell it was a different type of crowd um, that was there. And I went on a weeknight, you know, when used to be that wasn't full. I saw last year, I think it was 94.6% um, occupancy. And that was second only to Vegas in the NHL. So I think, um, you know, everything's going the right direction. I don't think Haslam would do anything to change that. And I don't assume, you know, um, you know, he would make any major changes. I think the GM Poyle's been there a long time. And, you know, and now and then he makes some great moves. And then every now and then some you kind of scratch your head about. But um, I would think he's stable now. Of course, he's getting older, so there'll be a change there sometime. But they have a young team, seem to have a very good farm system. They seem to draft very well and, uh, for the most part, make good moves. So, yeah, I would say everything I hear is in Tennessee is very positive because um, Haslam, very much, you know, an inside guy, not an outsider. Nashville has uh, NFL, Major League Soccer, and now uh, NHL, of course. Uh, the next sport to move in is very well could be baseball. Two teams that are in need of improving stadiums is Tampa Bay and Oakland. Both of those teams, at some point in the last 15 years, have been tied to Nashville. And uh, the commissioner came out and said, if they don't get a, a new stadium, then moving them is is a possibility. 
Uh, I remember most recently it was Oakland um, that had the talks that, that I heard at least that could be headed to Nashville. Tampa Bay makes a lot of sense as well. They're, they're a little closer than Oakland is. Uh, so, you know, if you move Oakland to Nashville, that'd be a, that'd be a long trip in the West. Uh, but uh, so I think Tampa Bay is a legit option there as well. Both of these teams, though, uh, the Rays are a good team and struggle. The A's are a bad team and struggle. Um, do you think uh, either of these teams will be moved in the next several years or one of these teams or none of these teams get moved? Well, um, you know, major sports, have, uh, the stadium thing has, has been a deal where teams have gotten moved before. You know, when people said, I don't know baseball as much as football, but the deal was, you know, if you don't get the stadium thing taken care of, if you don't keep up with it, then you're going to move. Um, now, where they would move, you know, Nashville, I think, would be a great city for baseball. Nashville's going to support, I think, just about anything in professional sports, but it's always been a very big baseball community. And I think either one of these teams would be great because it's an American League team. Um, you have the Braves, you know, kind of right down the road. Uh, but with them being National League, I think, you know, having an American League team would be a real good fit. Um, of course, Nashville, I don't know if they would build a new stadium, if they would just make a lot of rent. You know, they build a beautiful new minor league stadium. They may have done that with the plans that it could be expanded. Um, it's in a good area there, right downtown. Um, be interesting again, you'll know, be interesting to hear what the talk is in Nashville. Um, you know, is there talk, um, already in the works about um, a stadium and developing a stadium. You know, now that I've been gone, when I was there, the constant talk on the radio, talk radio, was uh, the football stadium. They were not keeping up with it. And if they didn't keep up with the Titans stadium, they were going to lose the Titans, much like um, St. Louis lost the Rams. Now, I, I don't know if that's still the talk. I don't know um, if the stadium has been upgraded, but you know, uh, in the football stadium is the Nissan Stadium is not where um, you know some of the NFL stadiums are, especially with luxury boxes and everything there. So, uh, Nashville is primed, um, you know, for any kind of sport there, and I think baseball. There's always just a ton of baseball fans there, and you know the location's great. They could draw people from all over to come to games, um, and are able to there. So I would think Oakland. It seems like Oakland. It maybe is in more trouble uh, than Tampa. Of course, Tampa has you know um, some teams there in the state. Oakland, of course, you're you know right across the bay from the Giants. So that's always been uh, an issue. And um, I would not be surprised if we don't hear more in the next year or two of how serious this is. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Tampa has been in a constant battle with their their stadium situation down there. Um, So I'm not sure that that it's going to get any better. It's amazing because they've had such a good team for so long now, a legitimately competitive team for so long now. And – and still they're in trouble of losing the team. Uh, a couple interesting notes from the last week of baseball. Houston Astros had two immaculate innings in one game. An immaculate inning is uh, is three strikeouts on three pitches. So there's only nine pitches pitched in the entire inning. Uh, three strikeouts. It happened twice. First time that's happened. 
uh, there for Houston. So they're making a little history there uh, with some unique stats there in Houston. And then a couple missed no-nos. Uh, Michaelis in St. Louis had two outs in the ninth and gave up a hit. Uh, was that close to having the, I think it would be the first uh, one pitcher no hitter. We had a team that did it, but I don't count that for anything. So uh, that would have been the first thing there. And then, uh, you know, just looking at the standings, the Rangers continue to, to kind of uh, outduel Los Angeles and Seattle in the West, still under 500. Houston has that one under control. Cleveland still three games over Chicago and the Central. Minnesota still leads. Um, that Cleveland's actually in a, in quite the run there. They've lost, uh, one now, but eight out of the last 10, they're only two games back from the lead in the central, the Yankees running away with the East 12 games up right now, but Toronto, Tampa and Boston, uh, all right there close together. Uh, let's see here. Toronto is better than the twins. Um, and Tampa Bay is is right there with the Twins, too. So even though they're second, third, and fourth in their division, they're still one of the better teams in the AL. In the National League, the Mets, six and a half up on Atlanta. Atlanta finally lost. They only lost two straight. Uh, Philadelphia is trying to climb as well. Philadelphia and Atlanta trying to keep pressure on the Mets, uh, but still a little ways back. St. Louis still leads Mil- Milwaukee. Milwaukee's one game back. Uh, they're playing the Reds. Uh, and they're wrapping up their red series. That's as of this uh, show, the Brewers are up by three, going into the bottom of the eighth uh, there as well. So uh, that central is going to be it's going to be tight for a little bit, but I think again, ultimately Milwaukee comes out on top there. Uh, and then in the West, it's the Dodgers a half a game up on San Diego. San Francisco's three and a half back uh, there as well. But all those hot win streaks have kind of finally uh, cooled cooled off a little bit. We're back to normal, with the one exception being the Yankees. They've won nine straight uh, here. So Major League Baseball continues to roll on. Some injuries have happened, but we'll come back. Uh, guys are working their way back and, uh, and looking forward to that. Um, baseball season continuing as we head closer to the All-Star break and the trade deadline trades. Maybe some big trades coming, or at least some names that most people know as well. Uh, Dad, I know we got a little bit of a lag with you, but is there anything uh, that you want to comment on before we sign off today? No, like I said, you know, the baseball season has gone well, and um, we do have players coming back. I know you covered this probably on your fantasy baseball show, but as I've watched fantasy baseball, I know potentially a couple of really good players coming back this week, and some pitchers have already come back so be interesting there again it's a good college world series going on in omaha uh two of the lower seeded teams both notre dame and oklahoma won their first game and they'll play later today and uh, again looks like good baseball i've enjoyed watching the college baseball world series here so far yeah, I've not watched any college baseball, but uh, I try to keep up a little bit with the scores and what's going on at the very least uh, there as well. We're going to go into detail on baseball injuries in a couple weeks on Fantasy Baseball Live. Belly Up Fantasy Baseball Live airs every Sunday night live at 8 p.m. on Belly Up Sports YouTube, Belly Up Fantasy Sports Twitter, and Belly Up TV. Um, and uh, so make sure you catch that every Sunday night, or you can catch the podcast there as well at uh, Belly Up Fantasy Baseball Live. 
Um, you're on there most weeks. I'm not going to be on there tonight with Father's Day um, and things going on here at the house. But uh, uh, make sure you check out Kevin Wilson and the guys tonight on Belly Up Fantasy Baseball Live. Uh, but like I said, we're gonna we're gonna bring in Brian Scott, who we had on the show a couple weeks ago, um, to talk baseball injuries here in a couple weeks on the Belly Up Fantasy Baseball Show. All right, make sure you go to intheclutch.com and use the code SportsDove get ten percent off your purchase. Check out those T-shirts; they got some really great stuff there. Some retro sports shirts, some uh, current players, teams, things like that as well. Um, so make sure you go check that out as well uh we do have the link for elementor if you have a website that's not looking that great uh, or you're wanting a website you need to check out elementor uh they can help you create manage host uh, a website no coding involved that's a great drag and drop placement there is an exclusive sports stove link in the podcast notes and in the youtube uh, video description as well so make sure you check them out also Again, happy Father's Day uh, to to Dad, to all the dads out there as well. And uh, we'll be back on Tuesday night live right here on Sports Stove YouTube. And then uh, we'll be available for you Wednesday as well. That'll be covering the NBA draft coming up this Thursday. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's Sports Stove podcast. Until next time, we'll see you around the Sports Stove.